You've tuned in to the Message to Kings podcast, where we tell the complete history. Welcome to the Message of Kings podcast. My name is Janelle Heaston. I am very excited to share with you part two of the story of Korah. Last week, I shared on Korah and his followers and how they thought they could do a better job leading the people than Moses and Aaron. They felt that they should be in equal position to them. By leading this rebellion, Korah and his followers were actually rebelling against God. When Moses, Aaron, and Korah and his followers went to God on the matter, God caused the earth to swallow up Korah, and that day all of his followers were killed. Then the next day, the people continued rebelling, and we see 14,700 people die due to the plague. And it would have been more if it wasn't for Aaron interceding for their lives. Throughout this account, we see some consistent themes. First of all, Moses and Aaron consistently falling on their faces, praying to God for mercy for the Israelites. They didn't take the issue into their own hands. They trusted God for the solution. Second, Korah was very discontent with his God-given responsibility of being in charge of the holy vessels of the tabernacle and other various tasks in the tabernacle. Number three, a tiny seed of rebellion grew and spread to many, ending in their lives. And last of all, attitude of serving yourself versus serving God. So last week, I focused on the actual rebellion of Korah and his followers. This week, I'm going to share the best part of the entire story of Korah. One would assume that Korah and his followers and families were killed in this event since the text alludes to this fact. However, if you flip to Numbers 26, it clearly states the line of Korah did not die out because his children were spared. Wow. Even though Korah died, his bloodline didn't. Here's the best part of the entire account, in my opinion. A story of redeeming the next generation, second chances, great hope, and a remnant for God's glory. Whether the children chose to separate themselves from their father after witnessing his rebellion or God just chose to spare them, we don't know for sure. But what we do know is the line of Korah was still alive. What we also know is that the line of Korah, which we will refer to as the sons of Korah, continued to stay faithful to God, not just for one generation, but for many generations. So what do we know about the sons of Korah? We know that they served from the very beginning of Israel's time in the promised land to the time the sons of Korah wrote 10% of the Psalms under David. From my research, this is approximately 10 generations. As noted in 1 Chronicles 9, 17-21, it accounts for the sons of Korah as gatekeepers of the tabernacle and temple of God. So what's the responsibility of a gatekeeper? Well, we know from last week's account, Korah held similar responsibilities overseeing daily functions in the tabernacle. However, Korah viewed these responsibilities as ones with low status and not of any value when compared with Moses and Aaron's responsibilities. Now we see the sons of Korah actually finding joy and fulfillment serving God in their given responsibilities as a gatekeeper. 1 Chronicles 9.23-32 gives us some insight into this role. Their responsibilities included guarding the gates of the tabernacle and temple, responsible for the rooms and treasuries in the house of God. They would spend the night stationed around the house of God guarding it, and they would be responsible for opening it each morning. Some additional responsibilities included making sure items used in the temple service were accounted for, responsible over the fine flour, wine, oil, incense, and spices, 
mixing the spices, and for baking the offering showbread. Lastly, the sons of Korah held the responsibility of leading song and praise in the house of God. These responsibilities may not seem all that glamorous in modern-day terminology, but their hearts were focused on serving the Lord, not feeding their pride and flesh as Korah demanded. Korah demanded more status, more responsibility, and questioned God's authority. The sons of Korah delighted in serving God faithfully. They stayed in Psalms 84.10, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. It is inspiring to see in this Psalms the level of commitment and deep satisfaction they held in the role God had given them. They did not forget what God had done for them by keeping them alive and saving the bloodline of Korah. As Korah did not want to be reminded by all God had done, the sons of Korah were constantly reminded of where they came from and how God's mercy saved them. This should give us all hope that we are not defined by what families we have come from or what bad choices they made, but by our individual love and relationship with our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Let's take a closer look at some additional psalms the sons of Korah wrote. Psalms 42.1 As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. Have you ever been so thirsty that even a drop of water tastes amazingly refreshing? Well, this is exactly the way they felt worshiping God. Psalms 43 Send forth your light and truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God. To God, my joy and delight, I will praise you with my harp. Psalms 44. In God we make our boast all day long, and we will praise your name forever. Psalms 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way. Be still and know that I am God. Psalms 47. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. Psalms 49. Why should I fear when evil days come, when wicked deceivers surround me, those who trust in their wealth and boast of their great riches? This is the fate of those who trust in themselves and of their followers who approve their sayings. Like sheep, they are destined for the grave and death will feed on them. The upright will rule over them in the morning. Their forms will decay in the grave, but God will redeem my life from the grave. He will surely take me to himself. Hmm, this sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Korah and his followers trusted in themselves and God redeemed the bloodline of Korah from the grave. This last Psalms I'm going to share is my personal favorite. It's Psalms 84. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the sparrow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. I would like to point out that even if a sparrow has found her home near the altar, how much more is the altar available to you to find your home and place with the Lord? The Psalms goes on saying, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, 
who have set their hearts on pilgrimage, who have set their hearts on the journey of God and do not lose focus on you, God, being my strength. As they pass through the valley of Baca, which is known as the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rain also covers it with pools. I feel that this is great encouragement to those who have passed through times in their life where there is sadness and mourning. Here is encouragement straight from the word that states that if you are passing through a time of weeping and sadness, that God will make it a place of springs, just as he did for the sons of Korah after their father passed away and died such a tragic death due to his rebellion. But here the sons of Korah are rejoicing, saying that even in a place of weeping, God can come and make it a place of life. The Psalms continue saying, They will go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. For the Lord bestows favor, grace, and glory, and honor. No good thing does he withhold, for those who walk is blameless. And here the sons of Korah can truly see after all the generations of redeemed sons of Korah following after God's heart and not their own, that they truly can say, Our God is a sun and shield. He guides and protects us. And he gives us and bestows on us favor, grace, and glory because we have chosen the walk that is blameless, unlike Korah, whose walk ended in rebellion and death. I think you would agree these psalms are not just empty words spoken to please man or self. These songs of praise reflect their deep love and devotion to God. God not only restored what a generation had once rejected, but brought complete redemption to the bloodline of Korah. God showed such mercy and love to the sons of Korah. It could have been very easy for the sons of Korah to say, Well, it is in our blood to be rebellious. Might as well not fight it. Or our family name has been so stained. Who could ever take us serious? There's a long list of potential excuses they could have made. However, they didn't. They chose to serve the Lord faithfully in the job God had for them to do. Their definition of success wasn't defined by riches or wealth, as it did for Korah, but by their sincere love for the Lord. Also, I personally feel one of the keys to their powerful lyrics of worship to God was due to their constant remembrance of what God had done. If you recall, their great ancestor Korah rebelled against the command of the Lord to wear the blue corded tassels as a reminder. And here, the sons of Korah, many times in Psalms, make it clear that they remembered what happened to Korah when he chose to rebel. Where the story of Korah represents rebellion against God, the sons of Korah represent hope and redemption. I can personally relate to the sons of Korah as I have been saved from the pit, just as they have been from all of my sinful and rebellious ways. The blood of Jesus paid the ultimate price so I can live fully redeemed and saved by his grace and the salvation he offers as a free gift. I feel this account is one that points to God's own son, Jesus. Just like God's mercy was to bring redemption through the sons of Korah, God chose his very own son, Jesus, 
to bring full and complete redemption to all his people. The account of Korah clearly shows a man whose outward actions reflected his inward thoughts, a rebellion against God. Once we honestly accept that our relationship with God is broken, we see the need for a way to make things right. Often, we try to do this on our own ability, as Korah did. He really thought he would be found holy before the Lord. However, his rebellion had deceived him in his thinking. We do this sometimes by trying really, really hard to be a better person, but all these attempts end up in frustration. We soon find this is not enough, and we have to choose to reach out for God's own son, Jesus, who paid the ultimate price of redemption on the cross and made a way for us to find freedom from living in bondage. The choice we all have is to do things our way or God's way. We are not just dealing with a nice, inspiring story from history that has a happy ending and makes us feel good. This is a historical event that challenges us to look how this applies to our own personal life today. Surely we can learn something from this account. As Proverbs 23.12 states, Give yourself to discipline instruction. Open your ears to tested knowledge. I would consider this pretty tested knowledge. It is a count of history. It's a count of what happened when a man chose to rebel. It resulted in many people's death. But God redeemed that bloodline and gave us all hope through the sons of Korah that there is redemption found in God's own son, Jesus Christ. If you have already accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, then you know the freedom that can come in a personal relationship with Him. If you haven't personally experienced this in your life today, then I would just ask you, are you one that's in need of hope? Are you one in need of second chances? Are you one that's needing to see the life coming up from the places of weeping? If so, then I would ask you to consider seeing Jesus as your Redeemer, as your Messiah, as someone that can come and, and bring life into all the dark areas in your life. I hope that you have been blessed as much as I have been by the story of Korah and the sons of Korah and the message that it applies to my own personal life. I hope that you can apply it to your life as well. I've really enjoyed doing these podcasts the last two weeks. Thanks for tuning in to the Message of Kings. Tune in next week to the Message to Kings podcast.